I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to this latest edition of our get-together, our fun time, our talk, our think. I'm Lieutenant Joe. And for those new at this 1 o'clock hour, we're here every weekday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we're also, uh, you can catch the podcast anytime. And you can also reach out to us. If you go to the platform, the new platform, americaoutloud.news, you can look up Chasing Justice and you can send me messages. Tell me you like what I'm saying, you don't like what I'm saying, what you'd like me to talk about, whatever. Let's have a dialogue. That's the idea. Okay. So... In a recent episode, we talked about law enforcement and where it goes. Well, I'm going to I'm going to veer off of that, but I'm going to go back to that in another episode because there's more to talk about in that conversation we were having. But uh, things I want to talk about today. So let me ask you something. Can you have things two different ways? Well, Lieutenant Joe, what does that mean? What two things? How would you have them? When would you have them? Good question. Very good question. If you got into an argument with your spouse or your significant other, whoever that may be, and you had done something wrong, you did it wrong on purpose. You didn't feel like going, you didn't feel like going them to the mother-in-law's house. So you made up some some excuse you couldn't go, and you get caught. The right thing to do would be what? Tell the truth, apologize, do a lamea copa. Listen, I just didn't feel like going, and you know. And just for anybody who's wondering, my mother-in-law was an angel. I absolutely loved her, Beatrice. She was the greatest mother-in-law anybody could ever have. In general, I'm using the the in general thing. And I don't mean nothing against mother-in-laws. I love you all. But if you did something wrong, you get caught, you should apologize. Listen, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that, but here's my reasons. And then maybe you work it out in the future that you don't go, you don't, don't go as much, whatever it is, whatever it is. But you can't always have it two ways. You can't have it one way it helps you another way it hurts you depending on the situation but we have exactly that unfolding in front of us with our president president joe biden president biden by by all intents and purposes anybody who's got any common sense can look at the man and see that he is failing cognitively there's no question about it you know, you talk to people who are his age and they'll tell you, you know, I have problems remembering, I have problems, uh, I, I forget some things. You know, dementia starts to come on for, and it's not just him. It's not because he's Joe Biden, the liberal uh, president. It's because he's a, a human being and he's 80 something years old and he is affected by what affects all human beings, the ravages of time. You know, eventually we're all going to be in that spot if we're lucky enough to live to 80. But he recently gave testimony as part of a report on his documents, you know, his uh, classified documents that he shouldn't have. So I'm going to set a few things straight because the, the, the mainstream media won't. So I'm going to set a few things straight about that report, the finding, the investigation, and we're going to go in and we're going to talk about having things both ways. So first of all, the, um, the investigator who, who did, I think his name was Yun, I think that's his name. He investigated and he found that Joe Biden did knowingly withhold classified documents. He knowingly did it. Okay, so if you knowingly do something, uh, you do it on purpose, then you could be held responsible for that. In this case, there is a law that you cannot 
keep those documents that he had. They were top secret documents, government documents. He could not keep them, and he knowingly did so. That's a violation of the law. Now, when you read the law, uh, there is nothing in there that says, well, if he's a nice old man and he broke the law, we won't hold him accountable. If he's a feeble old man and he broke the law, we won't hold him accountable. If he's uh, daft in the head anymore, if he's got dementia, we won't hold him accountable anymore. They may be legitimate go-tos at some point, but in this particular case, the law doesn't say that. The prosecutor made that discretionary decision. Now, it says he willfully did that. Now, let's look at this. Well, didn't Trump willfully do something? Here's the difference. And for all those people sitting in your basement taking notes about Lieutenant Joe, sharpen your pencil. The difference between the two is at the time that Joe Biden kept the documents, when he was a senator, United States senator, and when he was vice president of the United States. In neither one of those cases was he allowed to take those classified documents with him not as a senator and not as the vice president of the United States. He's not permitted to take them with him. So whether he claims his staff did it by, and he didn't know about it and he put it next to it, he didn't look, gee, what's all these boxes doing next to my Corvette? I wonder what those boxes of things are. I don't know. I'm going to go get an ice cream. It doesn't matter. He says it was his staff. He's laying it off on his staff. He's lying. He kept those things. He was working with a publicist to write his memoirs or write some book, and he shared those classified documents with someone who should not have seen them. He has no right whatsoever as a senator or the vice president of the United States to do that, and he did. So he willfully kept those documents. He committed crimes. No, didn't Donald Trump do the same thing? Trump did the same thing. Orange man did the same thing. Well, here's the difference. Again, make sure those pencils are sharp. Donald Trump took documents with him when he left office, the office of the president of the United States. Okay. Now, he is the president. And as the president, he has the right to classify or declassify any document he wants. He is the head of government. He is the leader and has that right. Unlike Joe Biden, who was a senator and vice president, had no right to do it. You see the comparison? Do you see the difference? Didn't Trump do it? So, so Trump says, I declassified them. Simple as that. I declassified them. I took them home. Joe Biden says, well, as soon as, as soon as I found out that I had all these documents for 40 years, uh, I immediately cooperated. Well, that's great. If I'm conducting a criminal investigation for robbery and I come to your house and I knock on the door and I come in and talk to you and I see some of the things that were robbed and I say, hey, those things were robbed out of the store. And you say, okay, I did it. And you cooperate. That doesn't mean I go, hey, thanks a lot. Let me just take that stolen property back. And, you know, you're good, man. You, you cooperated. That's not how that works. You're supposed to cooperate when there's an investigation, right? So he cooperated. That means nothing, right? Donald Trump, didn't he cooperate? Well, he did. Matter of fact, he was having conversations with the, with the, the Hall of Records or whatever they're called. Uh, he had secret service agents on his property at all times as a former vice president. I'm mean, sorry, as former president. Uh, he had them in a secured locked room. Matter of fact, the FBI came and looked at the documents and all they said was, do me a favor, put another lock on that door, which he complied with. Now they're unclassified because he says they're unclassified. He was the president, whether you like that or not. He was the president and he said, 
I declassified them, so therefore they're no longer classified documents. He doesn't have to get into arguments with uh, career uh, career clerks at the Department of Records to decide whether or not he can have it or not. So what was different here is that Joe Biden had no right to have them. The uh, investigator found he willfully violated the law and he kept the documents. And it doesn't matter if he cooperated once he got found out. Donald Trump, on the other hand, had every right to declassify those documents. Matter of fact, there's a court case and they joke about it. They call Clinton's uh, the sock drawer. Clinton had classified documents and he had them at home and it was found out that he had them. And the court basically said as the president, he declassified them and he has a right to have them then. Right. All of this will have to be heard through the Supreme Court. But the reality is the way that they handled Trump and the way they handled Biden is a clear, very, very clear example of the uh, two-tier system of justice that we have, okay? And I heard someone the other day on the news saying, uh, one of these left-wing nuts, and they're on there saying, they're, you know, they're, they're bringing up this thing saying there's a two-tier justice system. That's not right. That's causing conflict. There is no two-tier justice system. Well, you know what? There's an example right there. There's a great big one. Um, how about Secretary of State? That is a pretty big job in our government, important pretty big job in our government, very important job. Does the Secretary of State have a right to keep classified documents? No, they do not. No matter who the Secretary of State is, they don't have any right to keep classified documents. When you go to government and you get your job and they give you a, a secure government email address and they tell you this is where you do official business, that's for a reason. See, because it's secure. People can't hack into you and find out all our government secrets that you may know as Secretary of, uh, of State. Did Hillary Clinton do that? Well, she said she had, no, she had you know, her recipes and her wedding. She had nothing on there. And then an investigation was done. And I remember Comer. Uh, FBI leader came out and basically said what we found in our investigation is that Hillary Clinton did indeed have classified documents she shouldn't have on a private server she shouldn't have. And some of them were marked ultra high classified and this, that and the other thing. And then he made the determination as the investigator that no, uh, no reasonable uh, uh, judge and jury would a prosecutor would charge her for these things. Well, she had no right to have them. She had them on a server she shouldn't have them on. And he said they were illegal. They were highly classified. She had no right to any of them. And then he, as an investigator, so be it, head of the FBI at the time, he doesn't make prosecutorial decisions. That is what the prosecutors do. But he made that decision and everybody went along with it. They sent armed FBI agents to Donald Trump's home with a search warrant to go get the records that they knew where they were, they knew they were secure, and there were Secret Service agents in there with them. And they went through his son's drawers and they went through his wife's underwear drawer. Now, if you don't see that as two-tier system of justice, it's because you can't see it because you're stunad, or you won't see it because you're that biased, right? So we have a two-tier system of justice. Clearly, and the, the examples go on and on. The fake Russia hoax, when all of these people knew it was fake and they kept pushing it and the media pushed it, everybody knew it was fake, and then it comes out it is fake. And is anyone held to account? No, no one's held to account. Donald Trump makes a phone call about corruption in Ukraine, where we know there's tons of corruption, 
and he's uh, he's impeached by a corrupt uh, corrupt Congress led by Nancy Pelosi over a phone call. Meantime, here is on record Joe Biden threatening Ukraine that he's going to withhold money if they don't fire a prosecutor. And who was that prosecutor? It was a prosecutor who was investigating Burisma, of which his son was being paid. And he said, I want that prosecutor fired. You ain't getting the money. And they did it. That sounds like more than a phone call. That was a threat to change the course of an investigation. And nothing happened to him. So we can go on and on and on with the things that are um, two-tier justice system. So now that we've talked about that, let's talk about having it two different ways. Another part of the recent report that came out about Joe Biden's documents is that in the course of the investigation, they had to sit down with him. I think it was five hours they interviewed him. I don't know if it was all at once or over a couple of days or whatever. They interviewed him for five hours. And one of the things that the prosecutor in that case used to make a determination that they were not going to file criminal complaints against Joe Biden was because of the fact that he said he's a well-meaning elderly gentleman with a problematic memory. He couldn't remember lots of things in the interview. He couldn't remember his time as vice president. And then I, you know, and he got all indignant when he did the uh, after this report came out. Remember that? And he was all upset because how dare they ask me about my dead son? Uh, and I know as an investigator, the reason they were asking him about that is because they were trying to judge his ability to remember timelines. Like when you were vice president, when you were senator and took these documents, who took them? And I, I don't know. I don't remember. I, I don't know. And they said he couldn't remember. Well, they said, what was it around the time? You know, and I'm, I'm guessing at this is the question, but this is why you would ask such a question. You know, was it around the time of your son's death? You know, was it around that time? Would that cause you confusion? That kind of thing. I would use that question. A very big prominent thing that he talks about all the time and lies about, by the way. Uh, but I would I would might use that as a question to understand his understanding of timeline to try and put this into focus. So the report says basically he's he's a nice old guy with a bad memory. And because he's such a nice old guy, he might be he might be sympathetic to a jury who sees this nice doddering old drooling fool, doesn't remember anything, can't remember dates and times. They want to prosecute him. And the prosecutor made the decision. No, I don't think they would. So we're not going to charge Joe Biden. Not because he didn't commit crimes. He did. So everything you're hearing on the news is a lie. In the report, it says he willfully kept documents. In the law, he has no right to keep those documents. That is a crime. Everything else that they talked about for reasons not to charge him was prosecutorial discretion. And in this case, you have clear crimes, but they're not going to charge because he's deft. Well, if the man is deft, should he be walking around with the nuclear football and trying to negotiate world peace in the middle of this burning world that we have going on? Is that who should be out there doing this? So this report comes out and Joe Biden says, see, proves I didn't do anything wrong. I broke no laws. Complete lie because the report says clearly he broke laws. But they chose not to prosecute him because he's a daft old man. Then he turns around and says, but this part of the report about my memory and my cognitive ability, that's ridiculous. That prosecutor is wrong. He's crazy. He has no right to do those kind of things. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say the report 
is clear on the part that makes me uh, not a criminal, but on the part where you come up with your determination, you have no right to come up with that determination. And it's all wrong. It's all wrong about my cognitive ability. It's right about the stuff that I like, but it's wrong about the stuff I don't. You can't have it both ways. And that's my point. He's trying to have it both ways. So we have crystal clear differences between the records that Biden took and kept and the ones that Trump took and kept. We have differences in how he's treated by the Congress and how the lame brain, weak Republican Congress deals with the president and his crimes and activities. Let alone, could you imagine if there was rumor that Donald Trump's son was a bag man going around using uh, the ability to have influence with his father to bring money to the Trump family, that that is all. Now, of course, we all know this. Anybody with, with a common sense brain and, and understanding of the world would say that's all you'd hear about for the last um, since it came out. It would be a whistleblower. You could have a whistleblower that says I've been living in an igloo for 32 years and I heard uh, somewhere uh, a rumor mill down by the seals uh, that Donald Trump did this. And that person would be brought to Congress under secrecy. They would testify in the darkness and every word out of their mouth would be considered gospel. They got him. This person knows the truth. But when it was Trump and they had whistleblowers, they proved the whistleblowers had no information. Their information was wrong. Their time was all off. Everybody they brought up, the people they brought up against Kavanaugh were wrong. Their, their timelines were off. Their facts were all off. But they should be believed as though it's gospel. Now, Mr. Two Ways Biden, uh, we have a witness who has come forward, tried to bring information several years ago about the Biden crime family and their criminal activities, their bribery, their influence peddling, all that kind of stuff. His name is Tony Bobolinsky. Now, you've heard that name. It sounds funny, doesn't it? Bobolinsky, Bobolinsky. They make fun of the name. Bobolinsky, it's a funny name. Funny, he must be a funny guy. He's a weird guy. His name is Tony Bobolinsky. And what makes him an important witness is that he is not anonymous. He didn't live in an igloo. He didn't uh, listen to things over the, uh, the air vents. He was an actual partner with um, Hunter Biden, sat in actual meetings with Joe Biden and Hunter and their business things when they talked about it. Remember Joe Biden? I never talked to my, about my son and my brother about their outside of the business. I never talked about any of those business deals. Turns out there's pictures of him with all these people that he never talks to, talking to them. He's on golf courses, he's at parties, having lunch with them. The, uh, the mayor of uh, Moscow's wife, who, who wrote a $3 million check to Hunter Biden, uh, had lunch with Joe Biden. And this Bobolinsky guy was in these meetings. And he's decided to come forward and tell what he knows. And he comes forward and he says, yes, Joe Biden was the business. He was the influence we were selling. We got clients that paid money because they wanted to influence the vice president of the United States who had influence in the Obama administration. So there you go. And here, he's a named person. He's a person with a, a good record. He's crystal clear on exactly what was said. Remember the thing? Uh, and hold 10% for the big guy. Well, he's testified now under oath that the big guy is Joe Biden. And he says, and I know that because I coined the term for him, the big guy, because we were trying to create a uh, an aura of, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Oh, well, you can say you don't know. It just went right out of my head. Um, we could say you don't know. 
plausible deniability. Sorry about that. I stumbled there for a minute. Plausible deniability. What does that mean? Plausible deniability? You hear it all the time? It's plausible. It means it makes sense. It could be deniability. Yeah, man, he says he don't know. We don't see any documents with Joe Biden's name on them. So he says he don't know. He don't know. Nobody's come to come forward and talk about it. So it's plausible that he can deny that. And it makes sense. But now you have a whistleblower who is not some anonymous, weird freak from 30 years ago. You have someone who is Hunter Biden's business partner who was in on the meetings, was in on the phone call, sat with the president of the United States when he was vice president, Joe Biden, and made deals and new money was kept for him. And he just testified. And you know what? The day he testifies, this is bombshell information. This is a firsthand witness. Not one news media report, except, of course, here on America Out Loud and on Fox News. Maybe Newsmax, too. They probably had something to say, too. But other than that, the, the, the mainstream media, the left-wing media, the government media, not even one story. Because they've already told you a long time ago, Bob Alinsky's no good. You can't trust him. He's no good. His word is nothing. He's just out to get the Bidens. He, you can't trust him. He's no, and they're defending. They're closing the, close, circling the wagons all around the Biden family. Now, here you had a phone call that Trump made legitimately to another world leader, and he was impeached for it. Here you have Joe Biden threatening Ukraine to withhold money if they don't fire a prosecutor who's investigating his son. We have the tape. He heard him say it. And he says, and God, God, guess what? They did it. Now we have Bobolinsky, his son's business partner, saying, yeah, not, he's lying. He, he says he never talked about it. Not only did he talk about it, he was in on the meetings and he got money. And nobody will talk about it. Nobody will say a word. Department of Justice will. Now, remember when when uh, Trump had an opportunity to uh, have have the Department of Justice do a few things uh, or investigate or not investigate. And what did the media say? They went, if he if he so much as tells the Department of Justice what to do, he should immediately be impeached. He they shouldn't interfere with any of that. Meantime, here we have Joe Biden yelling and screaming and people coming forward saying he's upset with uh, Merritt Garland for not interfering more uh, in this report, for not steering this report in a different way, for not changing the, well, the, the assessment of his mental health. And the press is just, yeah, why didn't they do that? Why would they let that go like that? You see the double standard all around. And all these people on the left who pretend that there is no double standard, who tell you there is no double standard. Uh, they're telling you, don't believe your lying eyes and your lying ears. They all know there's a double standard here, but it's okay. They, ha they have it to fix is in. They have the media. The media doesn't come out and report any of this. If it was Trump, it would be 24-7, and you all know it. Everybody knows it. Any kind of thing they could have got him on. It was 24-7, and it was a hoax, Russia, Russia, Russia. And it was, it was three years of his administration. He had to fight that nonsense. So whether you like Trump or not, if they can do this to him, imagine what they could do to you if the government turned their eyes towards you and took a look at you and what you're up to. Hmm, they could make stuff up. They could come after you, persecute you. Basically, off with your head. Throw you in a prison somewhere and you're gone. So Tony Bobolinsky, very, very interesting that he comes forward. It'd be interesting to see. So there's some transcripts we want to see. Wouldn't you like to see the transcripts of uh, Joe Biden's interview with the prosecutor where the guy says he was feeble and he was elderly and he didn't have a good memory? Wouldn't you like to hear those transcripts? Wouldn't you like to read them for yourself 
to see what questions were asked, what went on? Yeah. Well, if nothing happened, why won't he agree? Yeah, release, release him right away. Order the Justice Department. Release them tomorrow. Walk them right over to all the news media outlets and say, here's the transcripts. Because they don't want you to read them. They don't want you to know them. They don't want you to hear it. And that's the truth of what's going on there. So where, where can we go as we end this, this first part of our little get-together here? Oh, let, let's, let's think for a minute. What is, what is in the background that's been going on for months now? Absolute human tragedy, human, human suffering that we don't even talk about now. Oh, right. That would be the hostages that are being held by Hamas in Gaza. Innocent men, women, children, and babies that are being held hostage by a terrorist organization. And instead of being outraged that they still have them and demanding from everyone you can demand from that they release every one of them hostages today, right now, innocent people who were kidnapped from their homes and are being held hostage by brutal killers. Instead of that, we have people lining up in the streets demanding that Israel stop fighting Hamas. Stop it. Stop it. You're, you're genocidal. Well, let, let me, let's address that for a minute. The Israelis are going out of their way to not hurt innocent civilians. They're, they're letting them know when they're going to bomb a certain area. They're letting them have safe quarters. They're bringing in food so that they have food and water. They're doing the right things that they can. Did the hostages uh, have that opportunity when Hamas went into their villages and murdered, raped uh, babies and children and women right in front of their parents, in front of everybody else? Did they have that opportunity? Did they try and protect civilians there? No, they didn't. And we see these uh, useful idiots out in the street screaming and hollering about genocide, genocide, genocide. Well, if the Israelis wanted genocide on the people of uh, the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, they would no longer exist. They would all be gone already. It's been months of trying to do pinpike, pinpoint strikes and attacks and attack terrorists, not blow up apartment buildings with people in there. Because you know what? If it was genocide, isn't that exactly what they would do? They would just go in and roll over the entire area just with air power, just wipe it all out and then send in the, sh the troops after that to gun down everybody else. And then there you go. There's your genocide. But they have not done that. They are fighting a terrorist organization. And anyone who does not see that, once again, won't see it or can't see it. They're either too stupid to see it and biased and anti-Semitic, or they're purposely not seeing it because they're anti-Semitic. So either way, the reality is, where are those hostages? Why are they not out? Why do we not hear every single day? Every nation on earth demanding that Hamas release those people. Because what's the purpose of a hostage? To give you a, a, a leverage against your enemy. But these are not combatant soldiers. These are innocent men, women, children, and little babies being kept under horrific conditions. And the world is silent. There's something wrong with this world. Think about that, and we'll be back in a minute with more.
Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use Cofix RX because it works. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, it's a patent pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. When God, through His grace and mercy, gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at AmericaOutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are back. So, yeah, do I do I get myself worked up about those hostages? I do. That is, there are Americans there. This is an act of war. And you, you see how the whole, the whole world is starting to wobble. We're starting to see the uh, negative powers, or they used to be called the axis powers, the axis of evil. We're seeing them rise, and we're seeing... The, uh, the good guys and the good girls, the Western powers, are diminishing because of foolish, idiot, progressive ideas, getting away from traditional ideas. Now, for those of you out there, again, with your pencils and paper in the basement, traditional ideas do not mean returning to uh, the 1940s or the 1850s or the 1820s or whatever nonsense. That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about are the progressive nonsensical ideas about be soft on crime and it'll be better for everyone. Being soft on crime is fair. It makes up for past wrongs. No, it makes up for tragedy. It makes up for miserable lives. It makes up for more victims. It makes up for more people who are stuck trying to live their lives and they're victimized. We're seeing this all across our country. We're seeing these idiot ideas of open immigration, allowing anybody you want into your country. 
we're seeing how that is devastating our American cities, communities. We're seeing it uh, devastate uh, entire areas, not because the people are bad, not because the people are bad. Human beings are good. They're people. They want a better life. We've said that here. If I said it once, I've said it a thousand times. They want a better life. And I understand that. You just can't come pouring into a country and, and, and demand all kinds of things. And even if they're not demanding, you know, good, decent people are going to make sure people aren't hungry, they aren't sick, that they have a place to stay. And that's fine. But the reality is we don't have enough resources. So you can say all you want. Isn't it great? Let them come in. Great. Um, where are they going to go? That's the problem. There's no place to put them. There's no money available for them. Uh, our economy is, uh, you know, I guess it's doing okay by all reports, but it, people don't feel like it's doing okay. I know many people who uh, are, are absolutely shell-shocked at the prices at the, at the grocery store. I go to the grocery store, and I got to tell you, I went in the other day to get a couple of things, and I said, okay, I'm figuring this is probably about $100 worth of stuff. And I got done with the register, and I looked, it was $178. Now, I'm not a, a, a shopping guru. I don't have the prices of everything in my head, but I know generally when I go pick up things, I pick up the same kinds of things, and it cost me about 100 bucks, and this was $178. So that's okay because it's still within my comfort range to be able to do that, but I know for a lot of people, that $78 makes a difference in their life. Right, because that's seventy-eight dollars every week, and if you have more than just uh, two people, because we're empty nesters now, if you have more than just two people, that number can be much, much higher, and people don't have the money for it. So while the economy might be okay, stock market okay, it's not okay down to the level of where people are living. So we're seeing this this wobble, crime, unfettered immigration. We're seeing weakness in our leaders, and that's really the cause of it. You know, the reason the Axis powers are rising is because they have strong leaders, not good leaders. They're not good people. They're not doing good things, but they're strong leaders and they don't, uh, they don't nitpick around. They're not worried about what bathroom they should use. They're worried about how they can advance their country's desires or their desires. You know, in America, we always were lucky in that we were strong we had a strong thing, and we could be tolerant. We could learn to be more tolerant, which is good. We should be more tolerant of people and ideas and things, but we cannot let that tolerance rule every single thing that we do. We have to be, have common sense and say, okay, everybody should be treated fairly. Everyone, no one should be harassed. Everyone should be able to live their life however they feel like living it, but not at the expense of everybody else, right? You know, I see one thing. Uh, let, let's look at some places. Um, if you were to demand, you were to demand that everyone accept some new ideology, some left-wing ideology that comes out, and demand, demand, demand it, and people would protest and, and burn things and go crazy because the the majority has to uh, understand this new ideology. Okay, well, turn around and say the other way. Oh, well, I think there should be prayer in school. We think there should be prayer in school. We think uh, we should teach uh, American history again. Oh, no, there's no tolerance for that. And that's part of our problem. And I know I'm, I'm spinning around in circles here. But I think the whole, the clear picture here is that we have lost our way in America and in the West. We are confused by our own decency. We are caught off guard 
by our desire to do good and be good to the point that we can't understand the difference between being good, doing good, being tolerant, and throwing your entire society down the drain in pursuit of some nebulous thought about being more tolerant or being more open. It's okay to be tolerant and open, and that should always be a goal. We should always be listening and making sure that people feel comfortable wherever they are and they can live their lives how they want. But we can't take the rest of the country and turn their heads upside down and say, well, too bad, uh, too bad for how you want to be. It's, it's, a, it's a two-way street. See, so we started turkin, talking in our first part about uh, two-way Biden. You can't have it both ways. Well, we can't have it both ways here either. You can't have uh, one side have to be completely tolerated and change everybody else's life, uh, whether you like it or not. And on the other side, the more traditional people, they don't get to say, well, I want to maintain my traditions. I want to maintain things the way I like them as well. And you're told, no, you can't. You, 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 that you can't have it like that. Too bad. So I wanted to, I just wanted to express that because it came into my head. Now I have my list of things here um, as I go through them. And I have a note here, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, Republican running for president. I, I think obviously she's not going to get the nomination, but she's hanging in there. And I guess she's hanging in there to make her point either for 2028 uh, or for uh, some catastrophic thing happens to Trump and maybe she'd be the next person available. <clears throat> Excuse me. Her numbers are interesting. When we see the national polls that show Nikki Haley beats uh, Joe Biden by 15 points and Trump beats uh, Biden by five points, you'd say, well, why wouldn't you go with the 15 points? It's much, much more stable. And I have heard, absolutely heard people say um, that they would vote for Nikki Haley uh, because they don't like Biden, but they won't vote for Trump if it's down to Trump and Biden. They'd rather vote for Biden. And I heard this in a couple of locations. You know, I listen. I'm an investigator, so I'm used to sitting somewhere and conducting surveillances. So I sit. I was sitting in the doctor's office the other day, and there was probably seven or eight of the doctor's office personnel in the office doing the other side, answering phone calls, setting patients, welcoming people, bringing people to their appointments, whatever. And I heard that exact conversation. And these people are going, so what do you think is going to go on with this president? And uh, then, you know, there was I don't know, but I can't stand this guy. Look what he's doing to our country. Uh, it's really uncomfortable. I can't afford to live. I need, I need another pay raise. And they're all laughing and joking. And somebody says, well, I really like that Nikki Haley. I think she'd be good. And I, yeah, yeah. Now, there, there wasn't a lot of conversation about she'd be good because she's a woman. Or not a lot of conversation. She'd be good because she's a woman of color. Although I don't think people think she's a woman of color, even though she's, uh, I guess she's um, Middle Eastern. She's got Middle Eastern background. You don't look at her and say, oh, person of color. You know, she just, I don't think people get that impression. She talks about it, but I don't think other people do. But their conversation was, oh, I like her. Oh, I think she's smart. I think she's good. Now, here's part of the problem that we have, and I guess in any free society, is that people don't really understand things. They're, they're, they have opinions about things that they really don't understand. They don't understand policy. They don't understand how policy, because if people understood policy and how policies worked, there's no way you would vote for a liberal ever again because their policies sound good, but when put into practice, they're detrimental to everyone, right? They don't work. They, they never work. <clears throat> Excuse me. Across the board, we've seen for years and years and years, America elects a conservative, 
we do conservative things. The economy takes off. The, the military is strong. We're respected around the world. Uh, everything is good for everybody. And we feel so good that we say, okay, now let's, let's uh, the next time around, let's elect this liberal uh, and, and do some of the good things the liberal wants to do because we'll balance it out. Well, what we see is exactly what, what happens. Just like Joe Biden, uh, we had a very strong economy. We had a good military. We had everything going good under Trump. He comes in and the very first thing he does, I'm undoing everything that evil conservative had in place. And he undid the border. And now we have an absolute tragic nightmare on our border and on our country with illegal immigration overrunning our cities and towns and our ability to do anything. We're going to take away the strong words for the rest of the world. We want to be liked, not respected. We want to be liked. And what do they do? They run roughshod all over you. They start becoming aggressive. The world becomes chaotic. Right? This is, this is what happens time and time and time again. And the average people, and I'm not putting myself above them, I'm simply saying they, they don't take the time to pay attention. I'm a news junkie. I'm a political junkie. I pay attention to this stuff. I watch, I look, I see, and I can, I can make deductions about what has happened, how it's happened, why things have happened. And I can see every time you bring in a liberal government, things get to where they are now. Things fall apart. Right? Get rid of energy independence on day one. And what happened? Your gas prices shot through the roof. Your energy prices went through the roof. We're now buying uh, oil again from people who would kill us in our beds if they could. Right? So this is, this, is, this is a reality. But people feel good about left-wing progressive policies. And I have to say, when you hear them, of course, we all want good things. We want people to get along. We want people to be treated fairly. We want, But there's a way to get to that without trashing and flushing your country down the toilet. And unfortunately, that's what happens when you bring in liberal progressive policies. And that's really the problem, not the people. People mean well, you know. But anyway, I'm in this office and I'm listening to these people. And they were, they were all agreeing, oh, this Nikki Haley, I'd vote for her. I'd vote for her. I think she's smart. I think she's this and that. I think she could really turn things around. And, uh, and I'm saying, okay, well, that kind of matches. A lot of people do like Nikki Haley. They don't understand who she is. They don't get that when people say she's a bushy, what she means is she's in the line of rhino, milkweed, Republican, not conservative, rhino, milkweed, middle of the road, closer to Democrats than to conservatives. And what would happen is she would she would reach across the aisle like Republicans always do. They would bend over and uh, and uh, you know do whatever they had to do to make friends with the liberals and, and let all the liberal policies come through because then we get in along. And what happens is things get trashed and things get destroyed. So as they're talking and they're all excited, oh, I'd vote for her and vote for her. And then he says, yeah, I can't vote for I can't vote for that Biden can't vote for him again. I mean, he's old. The guy can't talk. All the comments that we all make, I can't vote for him. Look what he's doing and how much it costs to feed my family, blah, 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 on and on. And he says, yeah, but, uh, you know, if she's, not the, if she's not the person, I'm not voting for Trump. I can't vote for him. Oh, do you hear the things he says? Oh, my God, he's, he's so terrible. Uh, I could never vote for him. I'd vote for, for, for Haley, but I, you know, over Biden. But I would, uh, if it came down to him, I'd vote for Biden again. Which this is where you, you get you get confounded when you hear somebody say. Um, I remember my mother saying had this saying. She goes, "You'd cut off your nose to spite your face, wouldn't you?" 
And when I was a kid, that really made no sense. First of all, I would never cut off my nose. And I'm spiting my face. What does that mean? Till you understand the, the, the saying is that you would, you would do something against your own interests because of something you believe or, or some, other, um, some other nonsense. Um, you know, cut off your nose to spite your face because your principle you know, uh, I would never vote for Trump. I'd ra rather vote for Biden. You know, that it's against your own interest to do that because then you have the same crappy economy, the weak government, the disrespect around the world, the danger to everyone, crime in the streets, unfettered uh, immigration. That's what you get. That's exactly what you get. And as these people were talking, it was clear to me. And that wasn't the first time I had heard that conversation. I'd heard that conversation while at a dinner party. Now, I try not to engage in politics when I'm out and talk to people because there's two things you shouldn't talk about, politics and religion. Because what happens is you're always going to get someone who's very uh, uh, very uh, vocal in their belief. I believe this and Trump, Trump is an evil, horrible man. Well, uh, I don't see him as an evil, horrible man. I see him as a guy who's got a, a loose mouth and he says some things that are inappropriate. But you know what? Lots of people do. I've been around a lot of people in my life who have said something inappropriate. Uh, doesn't mean that they're evil. Doesn't mean they're bad. It means they said something stupid. There's been times in my life I've said something stupid. Uh, you know, it just, it happens. But to, to see this, to see this dynamic taking place in our country, is is just another sign that we we really have lost our way. Uh, and it's disturbing because I want a better world for my children and grandchildren and your grandchildren and your children, for everyone's children in every community in America. I want everybody to get along, see the beauty in each other's cultures, to understand each other, to interact properly. So we have a wonderful place. I really do. And I'm a conservative guy. How can that possibly be? Don't I hate everyone? No, I don't hate anybody. I just want everyone to be pulling in the same direction. I want everyone to respect what I believe and leave me alone, just like you want me to respect you and leave you alone. So that's part of the problem. And Nikki Haley is... She's an interesting person. I don't trust her is the other side. Now, if she's the nominee, I'm going to vote for her over Biden. As simple as that, you know, uh, which is different than these people who say, well, if it's Trump, I won't vote for him. I'll vote against my own best interests. I'm not voting for the orange man. You're going to cut your nose off to spite your face. Right? If Nikki Haley is the nominee, I will vote for her because she would be better than Biden. You know, Bush is better than a Biden. Uh, not much better, but better. You know, uh, so that that's that's what I'm looking at. Nikki Haley saying she's hanging in there and she keeps attacking Trump. See, and that's where she's I think she's damaging herself for 2028 because many, many people, Republicans, conservatives who are out there who are demanding a conservative candidate say conservative things. Don't back away. Don't be afraid. Say good things. Say strong things. And, and she's she's annoying the base. It's not like, you know, four years from now, if Trump doesn't win and we have four more years of Biden, that we're going to say, oh, let's go for a milquetoast Republican. Oh, that would be so much better. No, the call for strength is going to become even stronger, more powerful, right? You're going to see the next time you'll be looking for a Jim Jordan, right? Uh, or one of these, uh, or, or Ted Cruz or somebody like that who's much more conservative because that's the only thing that's going to save us. That's the only thing that's going to pull us out of this nosedive that our country is in. So Nikki Haley, while, while I appreciate what she's doing out there, 
Uh, and I would vote for her if she ends up being the nominee, because like I said, it's better than another Biden run or any Democrat uh, because of their policies, not because they want good things for people, not because I hate people, because their policies just don't work. Things don't work under a socialist, uh, progressive government. It, it, we get the mess we're in now. We get the mess we were in under Jimmy Carter. Right. Uh, we get the mess we started to get under Bill Clinton until Bill Clinton realized, uh oh, I'm not going to get reelected. And he pivoted closer to the center, shut his wife up and uh, started to govern more conservatively. All right. So that's the uh, that's my thoughts on that. All right. Let's see what else is on our our list here. So along that line, we'll stick stick with this for a minute. Uh, special election in New York just took place. Uh, George Santos who was thrown out of Congress by the Republicans uh, and Democrats. They all voted him out because he had some, he lied about his resume. He lied about a bunch of things. You know, it's funny, the only politician in Washington to lie about stuff. And they caught him. Isn't that amazing? Uh, you know, did he use campaign funds that he shouldn't have used? Yeah, he might have. I don't know. There was a lot of things they were saying he did wrong. But he was a Republican. He was a Republican vote. And like we always do, we shoot ourselves in the foot. Now, our Democrat friends would have rallied around this guy. They would have closed the wagons. They would have made a million excuses for him. And they would have kept him there to keep the power, right? But the Republicans, and this is what I'm saying, the conservative and Republicans will shoot themselves in the foot to try and do what's right all the time. Do what's right. It's the right thing. Just like, uh, I, I, and I don't mean to call him an idiot inappropriately, but the congressman who voted no on impeaching Mayorkas, and he came out and he said, well, first of all, uh, I don't want this uh, to become the norm where the party in power will use its power to attack the other party and to cause problems in this. And I'm saying, are you an idiot? Did you not just watch the last four or five years of what the Democrats and our, our progressive friends did? They used every ounce of power. They went against the rule of law. They went against the Constitution. They didn't care. They circled the wagons and, and wielded power to get what they wanted. And here's this guy saying, I voted no because I wouldn't want to set a precedent where you can use power if you're in power and you can do this, that, and the other. And said, well, that's what the other side is, is doing to this very day. What do you think this whole thing of going after Trump is and charging him all across the country with nonsense is? What do you think that's all about? So our goodness, our desire to be fair, our desire to be uh, righteous, to do, to do the right thing in the face of people who do the wrong thing is biting us squarely in the ass. Let's just put it that way. So what does that mean, Lieutenant Joe? You want to cheat and steal like they do? No. I'm saying we have to understand how the world is working now and we have to adopt some of those measures. So in New York, special election for Santos, he gets thrown out because the Republicans do the right thing. This guy's bad. Get him out. Where Democrats would never do that. Now they have a special election uh, and we, we get uh, we get Swazi back. Tom Swazi. I think his name Tom. Tom Swazi, who held that seat before, ran for governor. He's a left wing kind of guy. Um, presents himself nice, but he's a left wing. He's a vote for the Democrat. He's a vote for Schumer. He's a vote for everything that's wrong with the country. He's a vote for Right. He gets elected and we see uh, the, he, he said, he goes, listen, our early voting, our mail in voting uh, was our key key to the election because they had thousands of votes lined up for him already before Election Day. And Republicans, again, 
their desire to say, you should go to the voting booth on voting day, one day, and pull the lever. Now, do I agree with that? I do. I think that's the way we should do elections. You should show up on voting day. You should pull the lever for your candidate and win, lose, or draw one day of voting. That's what we should do. Should we expand the hours maybe to 24 hours of voting and man the booths 24 hours a day? I would say we should. We should maybe, and I'll take a a page out of uh, Sean Hannity's book, maybe make Election Day a national holiday. We have national holidays for everything else. Make it a national holiday uh, or make it something like jury duty where if somebody has to leave to go vote, they get to leave for four hours and come back and vote. I would certainly make that uh, a priority. Make it, put it on the weekends. So it starts, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, two o'clock in the afternoon on Friday and voting goes until eight o'clock on Sunday night. And that's it. In person, push the lever voting. But what we're seeing is that's not how the world is working. The people who are in control are going to continue with this write-in ballots, write-in ballots that are filled out improperly, write-in ballots that are not uh, signature verified, write-in ballots that only have one candidate checked off on the whole thing. Thousands and thousands of votes come in in the middle of the night, all for one candidate. Okay, that's not going to go away. And I think the Republicans need to understand this. And they've had four years to figure this out. And of course, they're idiots. They don't do the right thing. They don't pay attention. They didn't do anything about it. And now we're up to, you know, another election, a major election in our nation's history. And they're going to have uh, voting starts in September, I think. So it starts in September where you can start mailing in votes across the country. We should be all over that. We should be sending people to nursing homes and having them fill out the voting uh, things and then bring them in and dropping them off. We should have outreach to all these different communities that can't get out of their houses and say, here, sign this paper. This is your vote. And then turn it in. We should be dropping off truckloads of votes in the middle of the night like our friends on the left do, because not because it's the right thing to do, but because it's the only thing to do to survive. It's the only thing to do to survive is to adopt the activities that are being used by your opponent. If you can't convince the country to say that those things are wrong and to do the right things and to have a proper, open, fair elections, then you have to join in so that you get the advantage. Yeah, but then you're you're doing what they do and then you're going to be wrong and then you're going to be a loser if you don't. So I'm not saying cheat. I'm simply saying they go out and seem to find uh, five, 600,000 votes that normally wouldn't be cast because people can't come, they can't get there, it's a rainy day, they have a bad foot, they've got a bad back, they're elderly, they can't move. They go out and get those votes. Well, we better start doing the same thing on the Republican side. And we better start figuring it out like yesterday. Boy, I'm a little wound up about this, I guess you can tell. All right, so there's a lot of other things here. We talked about uh, Tony Bobolinsky. Um, so we had a shooting at the the Chiefs Parade, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Parade. And initially, you know, it's, it's so funny because you talk to anybody and you see the way our society limits information in an attempt to protect people. And again, this is soft on crime. You notice that whenever you hear a crime, a crime was committed, a horrific crime was committed today. And it was a man with a blue hat. And if that's the only information you get, what does everyone say? I'm not even going to say what people say. We all know what people say, right? Because they're trying to protect different people so they don't want to say 
who the person was in great detail. They said, a man with a blue hat. That's what they put out for um, when a crime takes place. They put it out, we're looking for a man with a blue hat. Well, uh, how about some more detail? So when we stop the right people, we find the right people who may be responsible. No, we can't because that could shed bad light on somebody. So we're just going to pretend and, and be quiet about things, right? That doesn't help anybody. That's soft on crime. If you're committing crime, you're committing crime. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you're all about. The key is don't commit crime. See how easy that is? Don't commit crime. And then uh, the society will be better. Everyone will be better. Every community will be better. But we don't do that. We don't actually go after crime. We talk a game about going after crime because we don't. if we really went after crime, it might be uncomfortable. Now, I'm not giving any specifics here. I'm going to suggest you go to the FBI Crime Center online and look up crime. Learn about crime before you go running your mouth and you don't know what you're talking about and calling people names. Go see what's going on. Figure out the truth and then say, how can we fix this? How can we prevent crime? Well, we have to go to the root cause. People need diapers and they need baby food. But then they're in stealing, uh, uh, people are in stealing uh, electronics, jewelry, uh, cars, uh, everything else. What's that got to do with baby food and diapers? Not a lot, my friends, because we are confused in this country. We are uh, caught up in a game of trying to be the best people in the world. And we're ignoring human nature. We're ignoring realities on the ground. And if we do that, we don't take those things into consideration. Things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. And I don't want to leave it on that. But you need to think about it. All right, so I have a lot more stuff here in my notes that I'll get to uh, for our next little get-together. So enjoy yourself. Enjoy life. Enjoy your family. Thank God for every day you have on this side of the sod. And remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. 